Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Gardening touches our lives in many different ways. For some, it's a lifelong hobby, a journey started in childhood. While for others, it's a new discovery with the bug only just starting to bite. For my guest today, gardening has had an impact on every area of his life. Hello, I'm Kevin and I'm chatting to Gardener's World TV presenter, award-winning designer and magazine contributor Adam Frost. Adam's whole career has been built on gardening, but I'm fascinated to hear how the world of plants and gardens has shaped the person he is today. I started by asking him about his earliest gardening memories. Actually, mate, it's, it's a photo. So I, it's a memory the other way around. I can't remember it, but ultimately there's a photograph of me doing it. So I must have been about, I reckon, two, two and a half looking at the photograph and thinking about right. the size my kids were. Um, and I'm, I'm literally in the garden with the watering can, nan and granddads, and I'm, I'm pottering around watering. And, and ultimately, you know, that's what nan said um, I used to do was disappear out the door, pick the watering can up and go around watering things. So that's so the earliest memory, mate. Really young, though. I mean, two and a half, that's proper little, isn't it? really is. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's even a story that, I mean, I don't remember any of this, but obviously my old man was a landscaper and he, he built early John Brooks gardens at Chelsea. And apparently somewhere, no one can find it now, there's a black and white picture taken I think it was by the Times or something of me being pushed around the place in a pushchair. So, yeah, you would say um, maybe it's ingrained. It's in my blood, as to say. Well, I was going to say if you've uh, you know you had a, a dad that was a landscaper, uh, and then you just mentioned your nan. Now you've told me about your your nans before. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, what what was it like gardening with those two? They were they weren't they were quite different. If I'm right in thinking. Yeah. Yeah, they are, mate. Yeah, you ever? I mean, yeah, I sort of I put them in the category of I had tidy nan and then I had scruffy nan and and tidy nan. Um, they lived in a um, a co-op house, you know, so social housing. Um, Granddad um, was the veg gardener, you know, but nan was a bit of control freak, so she even used to tie her brambles up outside her back gate, you know. And but all those early scent memories come from their garden. I can envisage it. Um, smell of cut grass and tomatoes in the greenhouse and I don't know following granddad and dropping the leeks in the ground and um, my own little marrow bed oh, I got really strong memories of that and my childhood was quite complicated so I used to spend a lot of time with them you know and so I had that as an experience and then the other end of it was what I called scruffy nan and um, Scruffy Nan and Grandad, they or Grandpa, we used to call him. They had quite high flying jobs, and so Nan used to work in Whitehall. Um, my Grandad was a gun engineer at the Royal Enfield. Um, but come the weekend, they lived like this slightly sort of bohemian existence, you know, and this really overgrown garden that I sort of equate in my head now to a bit like Heligan, not that size, but it felt a bit like yeah, you know, like a lost um, garden. Yeah, and but down the end of this garden, there are these two big aluminium greenhouses, which I realised, you know, looking back, they must have had, they must have had a few quid, 
because they sort of, and one had coleus in and one had cactus in. And, and yeah, so that was that was the sort of the early memories. And Nan's overgrown space, she used to keep all these old Belfast sinks. Um, so I can remember vividly being, you know, covered in everything from newts to frogs to, you know, whatever you could get out of a, a filled Belfast sink. But, Sounds great. You know, yeah, what a brilliant opportunity for for a kid, you know, to be amongst that. Yeah, it was. And I suppose when you, you at the time, you're just being a kid, aren't you? You don't really know. But I realise now, and especially because of the way that my life evolved and, and say my childhood was what it was, even then the garden was either, you know, it was a refuge, it was a place to escape. It was something that I viewed as being being safe and I, I've got, I, I suppose they're, they're some of my favourite childhood memories, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, mentioned... Happy times. You mentioned, a, you know, a slightly a tricky childhood. I mean, what did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? No, nah, I didn't have a clue, mate. I I love sport. Um, I was, I could draw, you know, and that was about as far as it went. Um, I'm sort of, you don't know at the time, but I'm I'm dyslexic, so that was part of the journey so at school I, I was the class clown really um I, probably if you would have said to me back then what do you want to be I would have said a footballer um I was lucky enough to play a, you know a decent standard of football um and then after that I probably I probably got an interest in architecture so if I was you know if I was ever academically bright enough maybe that's would have been a route but really and uh, yeah, apart from the football, there wasn't really a lot that was going to go on. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, what made you then turn to turn to gardening? I mean, it's you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on about at the moment, trying to get people to train to, to train to be gardeners to go into the gardening profession. But you know, how was that presented as an option to you when you were at school? Well, it, I mean, it really wasn't. I mean, I you know, I had remedial studies type thing you know so I think when I was at school in Harlow um you know we had a, a rural studies class and you know the not so bright ones i.e people like me were, were put in the sort of you know in those classes so that was a taste of it no one ever spoke about it um the old man was a landscaper but we didn't get on so that wasn't really the reason to go into it it was more the fact that I I left home at 16 years old um I started looking for jobs you know, there there was a connection there with gardens because of grandparents. Um, I nearly joined the army. I, I went into Barnstable because I'd moved to Devon by then. I went into Barnstable. I took all the exams. And realistically, I just wanted to escape home. And I think it was an, only an old sergeant that probably saw that and told me to come back when I was 18 years old. And and then a, an interview came up for North Devon Parks Department. And I thought, that's an apprentice. You know, it's, it's something that I... You know, I always enjoyed, and even though no man and I didn't get on, I would help him, you know, occasionally on bits and pieces. And yeah, I suppose I fell into it. it was the wrong thing, you know. There was obviously something there, but no one ever said to me. No one ever said. In fact, actually, my family used to say, "Don't go into landscape, you know, because you'll never be as good as your old man." That's quite tough, isn't it? That was tough, mate. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I look back on it, and yeah, I also look back on it and go, actually, yeah, I was better. So, you know, <laughs> but that's a bit naughty, isn't it? But yeah, it might. I mean, to be fair, me and my old man sorted out our problems when we become good mates, and um, 
he's yeah he followed years later and said son oh, i could have never have done what you've done so yeah we we sort of um you get there in the end don't you but yeah interesting times what are your memories of that first job then with the parts department i mean oh wow i mean to set the scene i set the scene because i i did share this a couple of years ago if you remember right so i leave home at 16 years old because my mum and dad do a swap with another couple right so i'm in a small devon village and we wake up and the bloke that's going to become my stepdad was married to the woman that's going to become my stepmom. I leave home at 16 years old. I'm not the happiest human being in the world. I can um, imagine. I had a lovely little tiny little bedsit flat um, in Kumartin above a pizza shop. Got this job um, and uh, I go for my first day. The, the first fella they introduced me to was an old boy called Jim. Um, Jim Yo, his name was. Um, Jim must have been, I reckon, 60-odd then. Um, but in his youth, he used to row the lifeboat, all right? So he had arms on him bigger than my legs. So I had Jim, and then my, my direct sort of charge hand, so above Jim, was was an old fella called George. Um, and that was, they were the two fellas really that, that were my first sort of experience of, of grow, the grown-up world, you know, and and... And to be fair, I think both of them within a week had pretty much worked me out. Um, probably worked out that I was, you know, probably had a bit of a chip on my shoulder and, and a few things that I wasn't happy about and took me under their wing. Um, and back then, I was just at the end of the old apprenticeship scheme. So um, they were amazing experiences because you did, we did everything from sports turf, um, you did obviously all the seafronts, all the old Victorian bedding. So you propagated, we propagated 200,000 bedding plants, um, tree work. Um, I don't know, you had to do a, a bit in the workshop as well. So you looked after machinery. Um, you even had to do a stint up at the graveyard. Right. So I had to dig a grave and, and all that, and which I remind my missus <laughs> kids that you know, I can do that um, I've got a very know, broad skill set a very very it, it broad is, skill set yeah so if it all goes wrong you know I can go grave digging um and yes I it was just an incredible experience and what was lovely was I suppose like a lot of old parks departments there was a quite close connection with with the bin men as well so so you'd end up having your tea breaks with the bin the characters I'd sort of I think I could write a book on that experience and the capers they got up to and and the naughty things they used to do and yeah I mean, it sounds to me like you found the place where you fitted in actually do you know what I mean for uh, probably maybe for the first time perhaps I think do you know what I think you're right and it's only as I've got I don't know a little bit older and had kids of my own and had those conversations that yeah it was I used to love it, it even then it didn't it didn't feel like work. Um, I'll get like goosebumps really talking to you about it. I'd, I'd got up in the morning, you know, I had a little 50cc motorbike, made me lunch, bang. I was there. I was always there early and, yeah, it was just an incredible, incredible time. Yeah. Really. And, and they taught me how to duck and dive as well and, you know, they, they, were, they were real characters and, yeah, special people I suppose. Yeah. I mean, how long? How long were you with them? How long were you with that first parts department? And where where did so, the, where did the career go next from that? Yeah, from that wow. Point? So, so I um, I did the full apprenticeship. Then I stayed 
um, stayed for a year. And then realistically, mate, I mean, I got moved from Harlow. So, I mean, Harlow is ultimately in Essex, but um, that's where I went to school. I loved it, though I suppose in one sense, you know, it was where they moved off the East End to. Um, but you imagine taking a kid out of Harlow and then dropping him in the middle of North Devon. So I... I loved the work. I loved the landscape. I learned to surf um, and sea fish, but I wanted to escape. So I had probably about a year after my full apprenticeship. So what was I, four years, something like that. Then I moved back to London um, and worked for a landscape company. So I had, it was probably about 21, I think, when I left. Yeah, when I left London, I was to, to move up to where I am now. I was about 21. So probably four years and then add another one. Right. To that in London, yeah. So, I mean, I think you, you've mentioned it often on the programme, you know, and anyone that uh, is a Gardener's World reader or viewer will know that you did eventually um, end up working with the, you know, the legendary GW presenter, Jeff Hamilton. I know. Now, how on earth did that come about? Um, I saw a little advert in the Horticultural Week, um, just said landscape were required for television garden in Rutland. Um, I, I knew who he was. Um, because actually um, there was a connection with my old man. So he he actually used to live in Broxbourne um, and that's, my nan was in, my two nans were in Nazin and then my old man was obviously brought up in, in that area. Um, and he at one point worked with Jeff. So I knew who Jeff Hamilton was. Did I watch Gardner's World on a Friday night? Um, no, probably not, mate. So um, I was at the pub. Um, so I went for this interview knowing who he was, but I probably didn't comprehend quite how big a deal it was, you know, which was probably good because I'm not sure that I would have actually been able to string a sentence together, you know. And So, yeah, I was lucky enough to get the interview and maybe that was he you know because when we went he obviously recognized the name with the old man and whatever and and asked how the old man was um i mean jeff said to me you know later it might have got you a half a chance in interview but it definitely wouldn't have got you a job you know so i went for the interview went back into stanford this beautiful old market town and i loved the place then and i obviously had this amazing two hours with jeff He's showing me around, introduced to me to his son, Nick. And I don't know, did I ever think I'd get a job like that? No. Then went back down to London. And about a week later, the phone rings and it was Jeff Hamilton. And he said, oh, Adam, you know, thanks for coming up. You did really well with the interview. He said, but um, there's someone slightly more qualified with you than you and we'd like to offer him the job. I said, all oh, right, well, well, you know, but we'd like to keep your name on on record, you know. So I was, thank you, Jeff, you know, thank you for your time, blah, blah, blah. Put the phone down. Girlfriend said, who was that? I said, well, Jeff Hamilton. Did you get the job? Did you get? No, 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 no. I said, I'll have to start looking again. So anyway, we carry on looking. Two weeks later, the phone rings again. And um, it was Jeff Hamilton. And he said, um, Adam, he said, it's, you know, have you found a job? I said, no, Jeff. He said, um, he said, well, I, it's not really worked out with the other fellow. He, you know, he felt he was a bit overqualified for the role and, you know, so we'd like to offer you the job. And I said, well, um, if it's all right with you, I'll, I'll get back to you. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I know it sounds terrible, doesn't it? 
And then I put the phone down. Girlfriend said, who was it? And I said, oh, it was, it was Jeff Hamilton. What did you, what's he want? I said, he's off of me the job. She said, what did you say? I said, well, I, I, I don't know. He said, I, I ain't playing second fiddle to no one. And then she phoned my mum and then my mum phoned me and then I phoned Jeff back and said, yeah, I'd love to take the job. Uh, that's shocking, mate, isn't it? I, you know, I was 21 years old. Is my only sort of defence. Yeah. At least people know I'm honest, you know. Um, and I look now, I've got, you know, two of my kids are older than that. I'd have killed them. Yeah. I'd yeah, I know. Well, it's amazing what life does to you and the perspective that, you know, it all brings, isn't it, really? I mean, you, you, yeah. how could you have possibly known what Jeff would become and, and the legacy that he'd leave behind at that age? You know, you maybe would never no. not have known. No. And and then I went and, wow, I, you know, I had the experience of obviously George and Jim and them putting the arm around me. But to see see a, a male figure, you know, and at the end of the day, I, you know, there wasn't lots of people that I looked up to, to, to be around someone like that, that ultimately we look back on, you know, with what we look back on now, um, a man so ahead of his time. You know, you talk about Pete Free, you talk about organic gardening, um, you know, stop ruining our countryside, ripping up limestone pavements. You know, he was talking about that 30 years ago. We're still having those conversations, pal. You know, which that that scares me a little bit. And I know you and I were talking about, you know, the sort of magazine being that old, you know, and how... I didn't realise that I'd been working with him back then and I was involved in the first magazines. But, but you know, to think what he was doing. Um, and I think that rubs off, doesn't it, when you're in your early 20s? And Yeah, I mean, it must have impacted the whole way yeah. you garden today, you know, and everything that, you yeah. you know, you stand for and, you know, your, your principles and everything, you know, it, he must have had a tremendous impact. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, you know, I sort of have this, I realise now, again, I don't think I knew at the time, he, he set like a sort of a, a bit of a moral gardening compass, you know, and, and that I, I react to. And, and I suppose I, I knew what he taught me as the starting point for where I go with it. And yeah, but I think that man must have done that to so many people. Um, I can remember when he passed away and I was at a barbecue with a load of football mates um, at a weekend and someone said, Frosty, you um, you best come in and check the C-Fax. They, you know, I remember the C-Fax, boy, can you <laughs> remember that? Do. Yeah, booking holidays yeah. mostly. That's I why know, it was, yeah. I know. <laughs> and anyway, on the C-Fax, it would said that, you know, he'd, he'd had a heart attack and, and passed away. And I can remember just sitting there thinking, wow, what? You know, and, and then the tears come. And, and then after that, watching the next sort of, I don't know, few months of of people sort of outpouring of, of grief for a man that, in a sense, a lot of them didn't even meet, but but they felt that on a, on a Friday night, this man really connected with them. And, and that, that's, some, that's some ability. You know, and that I don't know. That's just a sort of a makes you realise, I suppose, how special he was, really. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, you know, we we get our post bag is often full of references to Jeff. Still, you know, at, at the magazine, we still still people talk about him a great deal. I mean, I wondered what what was the job like 
what was it? I mean, working at a television garden all those years ago. I mean, of course, you're you've sort of come 360 now, which of course we'll come on to. But back then, what what was the job like? Brilliant. Um, I just I was this landscape to start with, um, so I don't know. I I used to build things for books, magazines. Um, then I mean, Jeff obviously Nick had his son had the nursery. And then there was a space of land between the sort of the nursery and um, and the television garden. So the television garden was evolving. So I would build any projects that were going to be on telly. Um, then there was the bit of land that we would we started to build extra things. So eventually it could open a, as a little public garden. Um, so yeah, I did that to start with. Really, did most of the sort of building work for Jeff, and used to make things, create things. He'd come out and you know something scribbled on the back of an old fag packet. Say, boy, can you um can you build that? Look at it. Even if I couldn't, I'd say, yeah, Jeff, no worries, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, and then slowly, you know, was given more responsibility um, to the point that um, he started. The, the, the designers would turn up. And I suppose I was probably at a, a little bit of a point of, don't get me wrong, I love building gardens and I love getting my hands in the soil. But again, you look back, don't you, and I realised I was probably reasonably ambitious and wanted to keep pushing on and, and challenge myself. And um, these people called garden designers used to turn up and just think, well, hold on a minute, this is all a bit interesting. And didn't think it was something necessarily you could make a living out of. And um, I asked Jeff if maybe that was something that I could get involved in doing, you know. And he said, um, let me make some phone calls, boy. Let me make some phone calls. And he went and he phoned three people, one being um, John Brooks, one being um, David Stevens, and the other being um, Robin Williams, um, who all had gardening schools or, you know, design schools and came down and said, you can go and have 12 months with any of these. You know, and um, but he said, I suggest that I think you should go and spend time with David Stevens. He said, he said the man understands space, not great with plants. He said, but he understands <laughs> space. <laughs> um, David and I joke about it now. Um, so that's what I did, mate. And and I'd went and did that, and I was still at Barnsdale working as well. Um, so really, come the end, I wow, well the Par- Paradise series, which was the last series that that Jeff did, I designed those two. Right. Um, I didn't. I didn't know that. Actually, that's ah. fascinating. Yeah, and then Gardeners World Live. We did a reclaimed garden, and that was being rebuilt uh, at Barnsdale Gardens um, mm. just after. Um, well, we we hadn't been finished when Jeff passed away. So, yeah, and I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you look back and think, wow. Did, and again, I think just I was just doing it at the time. You know, the man trusted me enough. To, to let me create something and put his name to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how did it progress from something that you were doing for Jeff at Barnsdale to actually becoming a really, really significant part of your career? I'd, I think, obviously, he passed away in 96. Um, that was obviously in the August. My first kid was due in December. Um, I'd my job went with Jeff, really. So I helped Nick get the gardens ready to open. And then um, actually one of the first people to ring me was David Stevens, and said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'd love to design, but I can't see that, me making a living out of that. I mean, I'd, 
you know, maybe I've knocked a few edges off, but to describe me as, as rough around the edges would have probably been a, a slight understatement. Um, but, but he, but David said, well, why don't you come and do, you know, a bit with me, a bit of associate stuff and, you know, you set yourself up and do a bit of landscape and, and see how it goes. So I set up a little design and build was how I sort of, but it was, it really concentrated, I suppose, making its living on landscaping. And I did David's work and then we just started to evolve that business. And I took that, I suppose, to employing, well, I think by about 2005, I was employing about 20 people. Right. Okay. Um, but, and at that point, the design side was, was, you know, starting to really develop. And it was hard work. I was trying to sort of manage, you know, a group of lads, ultimately, most of them, you know, were young lads. We were working all over the country. We were building gardens for like, lots of the top designers. And and then in the afternoon, I was trying to design gardens and the, the two didn't quite equate, you know. Um, so I was trying to sort of start to get out of the um, landscape business. And then David had sort of contacted me and said, we're off to Chelsea. Um and I think it that was that year, the 2004 going into 2005 was the year where it really just went on to a different level. So though I designed, um, David organised that we we were off to London to meet Terence Conran um, and Terence was doing a garden for the Imperial War Museum okay. and David was doing the planting and um, I was building it. Right. And, and I went down and... Um, we went down with David to meet Terence Comran and um, I went, we went in, we went into this room and, and Terence walked in with a blue suit, pale blue shirt and the old cigar on. Um, and I just sat there quietly, slightly in awe of a man that, that, you know, in a design world, I mean, he's passed away, hasn't he, in recent years, but a man that, that had sort of brought design to the masses, I suppose. And we had this sort of conversation and, well, David and realistically, Terence and David had a conversation. I sat there like a muppet. Um, and then Terence sort of asked what my involvement was going to be. And I just blurted out, I'm going to build it. Um, and I think he must have mumbled something about you better be good. Um, and then we had 12 months of working on this design and, and creating it. And um, we went to Chelsea, we built it. And I think one of the proudest things I've got is a, is a letter from Conran talking about... Um, my craft and my ability and um and it was a conversation with Terence on press day um and Mrs Frost had, had rocked up and she was she was sat with 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 Vera Lynn this is how bizarre it was man. all right so <laughs> Catherine Jenkins and Vera Lynn had just sung on the Chelsea Pensioners Garden next door Selena was sat down so Mrs Frost sat down Vera Lynn came and sat next to her. Mrs. Frost is having a conversation with Vera Lynn. Bear in mind that Mrs. Frost didn't know it was Vera Lynn. <laughs> Brilliant. And you know my wife really well, so you can imagine I ribber massively about that. And then Terence and I were listening to it, and then he just started this conversation and said, what are you going to do, young man? What are you going to do? Because there's no way you're just going to carry on building. I said, Terence, we're still on Main Avenue. I said, I'd love to do this, but who's going to employ me? to, you know, build a garden on Main Avenue. And he stopped me in my tracks and more or less ripped into me, really, and just explained to me that 
the habitat was only ever created because the department stores wouldn't sell his furniture. And he used to make his furniture in the daytime and used to run something called soup kitchens in the evening. And if I wanted to do something, I should go and make sure that I did it. Um, and that year as well, we were building the National Rose Garden at St Albans. And he, um, and that had an 18 grand retention on it. And right. I somehow, so for people, I suppose, that don't know, that 18,000 pound retention is that they keep back 18,000 pounds for 12 months just to make sure the job doesn't fall apart. And um, we had this money coming. And I somehow convinced Mrs. Frost to spend the eighteen thousand pound on the Chelsea Garden, and that must have been a quite some uh, convincing job. I thought <laughs> that was, it was some conversation, mate. And again, you look back, don't you, on things? And we didn't have money. We didn't have any money. The, the company turned over a lot of money, but it didn't make a lot of money. Um, we had debts. Um, we laugh about it now. Um, yeah, if she'd have, if she'd have been sensible, and just said, you know, this is daft, what you're doing, you know. But she didn't. She just said, when she eventually started talking to me again, obviously. But you know, she said, go and do it. Um, and we did, mate. We went to Chelsea, and and then we won a medal, and and not that that changed anything really. It just gave me a hunger that actually, no, it's design. It's design is where I want to be. And and then the whole thing just seemed to it. So the following year, we went back, we built one for someone else, and then the profit out of the one we built paid for me to do do my own small one again. And and I built um, a little front garden that was quite sort of at the time. Um, and then that one a gold and best in show. And then then we started to get a little bit of interest from from sponsors. And and I managed to then more or less come out of. It was 2010. I came out of the the landscape business altogether. I think. Right. I mean, I find it this fascinating. I mean, I've, I've been to Chelsea. It's it's amazing. You know, a crazy, crazy place. Um, in in good and bad ways. Um, you know, yeah. on the one hand, you say you've got Mrs. Frost talking to to Dame Vera Lynn, and yeah. all of that magic and sparkle that goes with that. But I mean, what's it like? Doing a main it, avenue show garden at the you know the most most famous flower show in the world. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah, um, physically, mentally, um, it, it, it's it's amazing. Mate. I, there's no other way to describe it. Really, it it tries you in every single department. Um, obviously, as a designer, you're putting yourself up there with you know, with some of the best designers in the world and, and people that that you, especially when I first started, people that I admire and and looked up to and were way beyond anything I thought I could achieve. Um, just the pure physical side of going there for 20 days from 7 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock at night, um, creating it, the worry of the plants, you know, the, the, the sort of timing, um, all of it is, it's an incredible challenge, but it's addictive um but also i think as well for me what it was was the actual doing so i you know because i played a decent standard of football i got and i had to i stopped playing because work took over it gave me that same fix that that being with a group of people determined to achieve something for a period of time and and i think 
that's the bit that I miss. I haven't been since, what, 2015. Well, I haven't been. I haven't been and done one, but I, you know, I get to go and mess about, mate, now. And a bit like you, you know, that sort of media side of things. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, addictive. Addic- addictive and painful, if I had to pick two right. words. Okay. But, yeah, that probably yeah. probably sums it up pretty well, I'd imagine, yeah. to be honest. Um, you know, I mean... Obviously, people that are going to be listening um, now know you as a presenter of Gardener's World. You know, you obviously you write for me for the magazine as well. You know, you, yep. you, you you're a Gardener's World uh, face and personality now. I mean, what's it like presenting? I don't Gardner's even like the word world. person. Yeah, I don't even like the word personality. You know what? You <laughs> well, know I think what you like. are. I, I think you are one. I know, I know. My kids take the mickey out of me and it's, you know, I don't know. It, it was never part of the master plan. It was never, I, you know, I go back to the Jeff thing and, and this man used to, obviously, you know, it was his own words, so he would go away. You'd hear him talking out loud. He'd come to the camera and he'd go, bang, you know, and then X million people would go, oh, wow, oh, my God, this man's amazing, you know. Um and I used to watch him in complete awe and think, how would anybody ever be able to do that? Slowly over the years, because I suppose that I was never sort of an opinion and I did quite a lot in the industry and I, people would always say to me, you should do something on telly. You know, you've got something, you've got whatever. And I'd always go, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then I'd I'd sort of get a little bit involved and someone would convince me to go and do a couple of interviews or you know, Alan might say, Mr. T might say, come and do a bit on my show. And then I'd go to Chelsea and I'd be doing interviews and then, you know, crew members that would be filming me would say, oh, you'd, you know, you'd be a good presenter. You'd be, and I, and I, so, and Mrs. Frost obviously would push massively from behind um, and say, go on, go on. And then I did a bit more public speaking. And so I think it just evolved. And to the point where, um, I was at Chelsea, I was doing my last Chelsea's and there was a few conversations going on about, come on, come and do a bit of presenting for us. And I did a few bits and pieces and then I did I did a, um, a film at home and we did a two-parter. We went off, found some inspiration and then my old house, I built a gravel garden. And unbeknown to me, that got sent in um, to the Royal Television Awards for Best Newcomer. Um and, I mean, even that was like bizarre. I at the same time I'd been talked into by um, Nolsey by Nick Knowles. Um, I got to know Nolsey through the RHS. We were both put as asked to be ambassadors, and we'd we'd ended up in Manchester, no Liverpool, for a weekend together, doing something. Um, and Nolsey did what he did. You know, he talks a lot, doesn't do a lot. You know, and I did all the doing. Um, and he'd convinced me to go to Manchester to look at this project he was involved in. And that evolved into being a DIY SOS when um, we were trying to build a street. And, and he convinced me that it would be a good idea that I did the gardens to go with this for the, for the veterans. So I'd done that as well. And I'd done these two bits. And this, this night at these RTS awards, um, these both things were up for an award. So um, Mrs. Frost and I go off to Bristol, all suited and booted, um, and we go into the theatre and, and people are starting to sort of saying, you know, you've got half a chance of winning this, Rusty boy. Have you written a few words? And 
I'm going, well, no, because, you know, I'm not going to win this. Anyway, we sit down and and you got people coming up saying, oh, I've done television for 30 years. This is the first thing I've won. And so I'm going to Mrs. Frost. It's, see, you know, you're nothing to worry about. And then they they get to my bit and they play the biggest clips that you see the biggest version of you up on his screens. And the the sort of master of ceremonies said we um um they felt that this fellas um and and one of the people who was in it was a girl from um country file and I thought she'd win it, hands down, you know. And the moment he said fella, I thought, oh wow, that's like that's not a girl from country for him, you know. And, and then he said, and there was only three of us, and then he said down to earth, and I'm thinking the other one wasn't very down to earth. And so I'm just sitting in my chair sinking. Mrs Frost has wet herself, I think, by this point. <laughs> and, and then they've said Adam Frost, and I can just, you know, sometimes when something happens and and everything seems to slow down. Yeah. And at this point I'm... Everything around me seems slow, but internally it all feels like it's all about to blow up. And I get up and I'm thinking, I haven't, I haven't got any words to say. And I walk into this stage and they say, congratulations. And the first thing I can burn out is, well, I thank you very much. I, I'll be really honest with you, three weeks ago, I didn't know what the RTS awards were. Um, <laughs> and then managed to compose myself, um, say something to Noles here because uh, he's in the audience about taking me to to Manchester to try and um, ruin my career and and thank the gardener's world and and sit go out the back take me photograph and then by the time I come back in the R the the um, DIY SOS um, the Manchester veterans is up for an award. Nolsey grabs me by the scruff of neck that wins I'm back on the stage I've got another award two We're in out one night two in one night yeah so we, and then I think that was probably the catalyst of of maybe them going, no, we're going to use you more. So I'm just thinking, coming away from the bright lights of awards ceremonies and television cameras, um, you know, at the heart of it, you're a gardener. Uh, still, yeah. still. What have your, you know, what role have your own personal gardens played in your life as you've, you know, you've had your, your family, your kids have grown up, yeah. you know. What what, have you, what role have your own gardens played? I... D- Massive, I suppose. It, it's sort of it's always been something that that in a in a way life's evolved around. Um I did it for a living. I don't know, I drive them all nuts, you know. I can be sat on a beach somewhere and I've got a notepad and I'm scribbling something and it might be an idea and I don't know, I could be out for a romantic meal and I'm I've got an idea in my head and it's you know, obviously it doesn't always go down that well. Um <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, life's evolved around. I mean, it's interesting because if you asked my wonderful wife, she would she would say that's what I am. I suppose I'm not, but that's what she would say is that that you are you are more. It's more than a job, you know. So for me, even when things get tough, and I mean, the last twelve months, of the, you know, eighteen months, prime example, I. I want to have my hands in the soil, you know, and and I realise I look back now, they're safe places for me because of of my sort of upbringing, and um, so yeah, maybe life's built around the garden. I'm always talking about, 
you know, I mean, at the moment, I just want to get outside and I want to get to barbecues and I want to do this and I want the family out around me. And yeah, so and I don't know, maybe that's what comes across when I'm in front of a camera, it, you know, is that I'm just talking about something that I love and somebody just happens to be filming me yeah. doing it, really. Um, yeah. Because that's blown me away is that I'm just a lad that likes gardening that gets to talk about it on the telly doesn't make me any different to anyone else and i just i there seems to have that seems to have connected somehow with a lot of people and that that's blown me away is is the reaction that i've had from from uh, you know a lot of the the public and well gardeners are humbling. Just, gardeners are lovely people aren't they <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know they are, we're actually. a nice bunch yeah. So, yeah, you you know, if you if if you're not a very nice person in the gardening world, you tend to stand out. Yeah, oh, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, yeah. you know, we all get to see your your garden. Um, you know, often on a, <laughs> on a Friday evening, and you know, I've I've visited and been lucky enough to see it. It's a really yeah. really lovely space. But I mean, how's it how's it coming along? I know you've not been there for years and years, so it's relatively new still in terms of a garden, and you know. Are you pleased with it? What annoys yeah. you about it? We all have our frustrations. Yeah, we do. And I, it's just, I mean, for me, that garden's one big experiment. Um, so it's partly me looking as to how I would maintain a garden, i.e. backing off a little bit, not cutting the grass as much, trying to look at wildflower on a, on a daily basis rather than doing it, you know, for clients, ex, you know, experimenting with plants, um, atmospheres, looking how I can encapsulate something, improve something, looking how to sort of deal with light, you know, where it comes up, where it goes down, all that. So it, so in really in one, in a weird way, it's just one big experiment. So I'm constantly out there tinkering, messing about, digging things up, moving them. Um, um, yeah, and, and it's like all of us really, you know, some things go right, some things don't go right. Um, it took me about two years to get my head around the microclimates in the garden, you know, the cool places, the wet places, the the, the sort of warmer places. Um, it's interesting because my obviously Abby, my oldest daughter, is still at home and she's the early bird with me, but she loves her horses, so she's out doing her horses. And even like this winter's felt probably for like for a lot of people, it felt like the longest winter in history, you know, and. Um, and both of us in the mornings, now the light's just starting to pick up just a little bit, a little bit. We we both want to just get outside. And I realised that that little fix of me walking around with that cup of tea in the morning sets my whole day up. Um, so, yeah, I just ingrained. And then the garden probably was the la- last year was the first year I was thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. And... Um, yeah, I mean it, that 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 garden's got a lifetime of work in it, really, mate. But um, it'll be interesting to see how long we stay. I think that's um, and you know because I there'll be a point when you know I think that you know the kids are sort of that we, we you know the house is too big. It was we never went there for the house, which is bananas. I know and it's lovely, but as the kids start to move away, it will feel too big, and so it will be you know, that catalytic stuff of what do we do next? And and I don't know, I think there's a there's a final garden in me somewhere as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, 
No, it does. It does. Well, as long as you, as long as you you're there where you are at the moment, I'm hoping that we'll be still coming and photographing yeah. with you and you know catching up with what you're doing. Um, okay. Now I'm thinking back to you know your 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 chaps at the parts department and you know that obviously that very special part of your life and the start of your career. But if if you think back to that lad that you were then, what on earth do you think he'd make of where you are now. Did you ever imagine that this is where you'd be? No. No. More chance of being locked up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> being honest. I no, not in I mean, even my mates that have known me, you know, all that time, even lads that I played football when I when I first moved up here as as a twenty one year old and I bump into them, you know, and they go, Frosty like we know you you loved what you did and you loved your job, but Never thought that you would be doing what you were doing. I, I don't get me wrong, mate. I, I'm, a, I, I sort of, I'll do what I do, but then I'm, you know, I can walk on a stage. I can do that. I can do the camera thing. But actually, then I'll quite happily go and sit in the corner quietly. I'm, I'm. It's a bit weird. It's, it's weird that I can do it. If that makes sense, because it's, it's out of character in, a, in so many ways. But, yeah, if you'd have said to me uh, at 16 years old, don't worry, boy, I know you've left home at 16 and, you know, and you're not very happy, but, you know, by the time you get to your sort of mid-40s, it'll all start to level out and you'll be fine. I'd have said you you were totally and utterly off your rocker. And, and I don't know, maybe that, you know, is something I go into, you know, for the RHS and things like that, go in to talk to youngsters. And, and half of it's not because I've ended up, you know, on the telly or this, that, and the other half, the conversation is that I'll say to people is go and find something that you love, go and find something that you love and then convince somebody to pay you to do it. And then if you're doing something that you love, everything else I think will fall into place. Yeah. You know, and, and, and maybe I've got that out of it is that message of, of that maybe all of us should be doing a little bit more. And I know we can't all for various different reasons, but we should follow our heart a lot more than than we do. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And I've just been lucky enough to be able to do that, I suppose. And what would you say to anyone that's um, thinking of going into a career of gardening in some way or another, either as a youngster like you were or, or as a career change option, you know? It, it's do popular. It. Yeah, do it. And I, I, I do think as well after, you know, what we've all been through, but, you know, sort of last year or so that there will be people that have connected with it people that have realized that ultimately they they got something out of it they maybe they've worked out what they've got out of it um or they're in a change you know period of life where they can change what they're doing um what's wonderful about it and i think if i had to sell it i i would say first of all we're terrible in horticulture we apologize for the amount of money we pay so we, 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 we never big it up. You know, we, we're always going, you know, well, it'll be lovely, but you won't earn much money. Well, actually, that's not technically right. Yeah, you, there's certain parts of it. You don't earn big wages, but actually the, the actual what we do is so diverse, all right? You and I are both in the same industry, all right? So if we look at putting our hands in the soil right up to design, we look at the sciences, we look, is there, is there an industry that can, that can take you in the directions that horticulture can take you, I don't think there is. I, you know, and I, and I, 
rack my brains as to so you can start off somewhere and then that can evolve that can evolve into media that could evolve into retail that could evolve into maintenance that can evolve into landscape to design you know you can become a botanist it's it's mind-blowing and the biggest thing on top of all that that you will not stop learning you will not stop learning you know i'm going to go in a hole in the ground, probably dug by myself, um, <laughs> it, not knowing, I don't know, knowing half of what I want to know. And and to be able to get out of bed every day and and have that as your opportunity, then that's got to be a good thing. You know, all of us, it feels like work sometimes, but but really, you know, I think physically, mentally, for all of us, just say, go and do it. Go and do it. Have a go. You know, chuck the kitchen sink at it. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. And for more gardening tips and inspiration, why not try our new magazine subscription offer for podcast listeners at buysubscriptions.com forward slash GWpod. If you subscribe before the 21st of April, you'll get our May issue and a year's two-for-one garden's guide and entry card. You'll also find this special offer in our podcast page on gardenersworld.com, where we share more about today's themes. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.